Well, I'm so excited to be uh, sharing today and uh, coming, I think, wrapping up the series on being conduits of the kingdom. Um, and just off the back of last week, and Sam did a great word and, and prayed at the end, and I had two amazing dreams in the week, which was super encouraging. I'll share with you a quick one. One of them, you know that fruit durian? It's not allowed on public transport in Singapore. Perfect timing. I never get called, but right now, <laughs> mum's on the phone. Um, and in the dream, I was with all these people, and we had this durian, and we had these huge, like, fleshly chunks of this stuff. But it smelled good to us. But have you ever been near the stuff? It stinks so badly. Most Westerners can't even face it, you know. But we were just, like, eating it and munching on it and just devouring this. And there was students with me, and they were all being typical kids and taking more than their share. And I was going, yeah, just have it. And like big steak-sized, thick pieces of this durian fruit. And we were just, just chomping through it. I was like, wow, that was a cool dream. So I went and looked it up. And it's like king of fruits, it's called. And I was like, yes, we're just feasting on King Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit. And I was really encouraged by that. And it was also in unison with another dream I had. So it was like God gave me a double whammy. So yeah, things are happening. Thought I'd share with that one. Share that one with you. She's trying to FaceTime me from the UK, my lovely mother. So do I have my first slide? John 17. We've been preaching and talking about this in, uh, in our group. And I thought it would be a great place to launch off into my preach for today. Because we're talking about, uh, in, in our group, we've been talking about what is eternal life. And we often think about eternal life as what happens when we die. But this verse puts it so well that actually eternal life is our relationship with the Lord. That they would know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And so... We get this beautiful picture of this, um, this age that is to come being very present with us now, this heavenly reality. And I heard this uh, analogy for the land of milk and honey. And it was about this, this idea of the intermingling of kingdoms. So you have a plant kingdom, grass, and the animal kingdom, the cow. And the cow eats the grass and produces the milk. As, as it is with bees, there's plants, the bees come, the animal kingdom, the higher realm, mingles with the lower realm, produces honey. And so we get this picture of the land of milk and honey, the promises of God's people is this intermingling of kingdoms, this uniting and this interlocking of these two different realities. And so this idea of being conduits of this kingdom realm starts to make a lot of sense to us. Another well-known verse, Habakkuk 2.14, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So this idea of our knowing God being eternal life, our knowledge of God, our intimacy with God being this connection with the eternal realm, with the spiritual realm, 
And here we just see that that's actually the glory of the Lord filling the earth, happening through the conduits of the kingdom, through the people of God. Like we'd love it if God could just like go whack and he just does everything. But he's actually chosen to do it through us and to do it in partnership with us. And so there's this beautiful paradigm of intimacy that the Lord set us up to, to partake in. So I'm just going to get through a few verses that just articulate this reality that we find ourselves in. So let's go to being raised with him, Colossians 2.12. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So we've been raised up with the Lord. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. I love to talk about the fact that we're bilocational beings because we simultaneously are having this physical experience whilst we're spiritually seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And as I was worshipping today, the Lord just reminded me, for all of us, you're wanted in the throne room. We've just seen this elaborate funeral for our queen and we've seen all the regalia of, of the royal family on full display and yet our king wants us in his throne room, in his presence. And we're already there, but our awareness of it is what changes. And we start to abide and we start to receive from the Lord what he has for us which sets us up to be conduits. The next verse is about our mindset, the way we think. Colossians 3, 1 to 4 says, or from verse 3, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You getting the picture? Walking in newness of life, Romans 6, 4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may walk in newness of life. So this walking in newness of life is this heavenly paradigm, isn't it? It's the age to come, heaven on earth. It's the age to come breaking into this age or these ages of our physical experience here on earth. Being, becoming the reality of who we are and how we walk. We walk in newness of life that we've been raised up into, this intimacy with God. It's about who he is to us and who he's going to be through us. So in us and through us. So we have this paradigm that we get to experience and we, we touched on it in worship today. We're beholding, we're looking in the mirror and we're seeing our true identities. We're beholding and we're be becoming. 
So it's in us, who he is in us and to us is who he will be through us. I remember when I first started hanging around in Christian circles, I heard this, it's almost a criticism of uh, Pentecostal or charismatic believers. And it was this quote, it was like, those guys are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. Have you ever heard that one before? Like the Spiros, they're so heavenly minded they're no earthly good. And it's like, that sounds to me like Martha talking to Mary, <laughs> doesn't it? But I want to be so heavenly minded that I'm earthly awesome. <laughs> you know, that's actually what we're called to be. You know, let's, let's abide, you know. Let's just get in, the, in his face, you know. So we're just engaged. We have this opportunity to engage with the realm of God in intimacy. And it's, it's this paradigm for our hearts to be truly who we've been made to be. So that we could live out all of, all of what's available. 2 Corinthians 3, 1 to 3. I'm picking up at 2. You yourselves are our letter of recommendation. Written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us. Written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So we just get this confidence. We get to live with this confidence in who we are in God. That his spirit is just, you know, his, his message to the world I just, I'm like, as a teacher, I get to be with a lot of kids a lot of the time. And I'm, I'm like determined that like they will experience the heart of God, if nothing else. That is my absolute priority. When they encounter me, when they spend a lesson in my class, they will experience the love of God for them. I don't really care what I teach them. That's all a bonus. First and foremost, I want them to experience the freedom the peace, the joy, you know, these beautiful heavenly realities that have become made available to me that I get to abide in, that's what I want them to know because that's the testimony of the Lord, isn't it? That's, that's appealing. That's a sweet fragrance. It's interesting with that durian, like it's like a horrible smell to those perishing, but a beautiful fragrance to those on the way of life, isn't it? I'm not sure about the fruit, but... Okay, that was the preamble, right? We're seated in heavenly places. Old things have passed away. Behold, the new has come. So this is what the Lord started speaking to me about. And it starts off also with this idea that in the heavenly realm, there are spectators. So go to Hebrews 12, please. Next slide. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. I got this picture in my mind of these people who are like, 
in heaven and they're watching, you know, they're watching it all unfold and they're marveling and they're glorying at the Lord and what he's fulfilling because they're on that side. So they, they understand so much more than what we understand down here. And I can picture like a particular friend of mine who passed away. He was such a nosy parker. He would definitely be in the cloud of witnesses. He will be so there watching things unfold on earth. I can just picture him. But we're hit with this weight and the sin that clings so closely. What is this sin that clings so closely? And the Lord just said to me, he reminded me of that verse, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Romans 14, 23. And I feel like this is the word for our, our house. That verse comes in the context of whether people should be fasting or Sabbath, take, observing the Sabbath or whether they should be eating meat or vegetables and, and these different things. But it's actually about the heart. The big picture is it's about the heart. Because anything, any act or attitude or emotion which is owing to a lack of trust in God. That's what it's really about. Because God sees our hearts. And we know that, like, if something causes a brother to stumble, we wouldn't do that. That's a violation of love toward that person. We can deny ourselves for the sake of someone else. Like, our mindset isn't, you know, based on that. We're not going to expose somebody else by our so-called freedom because that's not love. You know, and it just exposes where our hearts are really at. So everything that we do is supposed to be sprouting out of that place of intimacy with God. From the, from the soil, I guess, of, of our lives. Confident hope and trust in God. Hebrews 3.12 Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Unbelief. It's our only real enemy that we wouldn't, and, and it came out in the way that um, Keely was sharing about giving. It came out in other testimonies. Like we are trusting, we're called to trust in what the Lord is able to do. And we know that all things we sung about it, we talked about it, all things, all things. Every circumstance that we face, we know that he's able to work all things together for our good. In Romans 4.20, talking about Abraham, 
He did not doubt the promise of God in unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. And Hebrews 16, Hebrews 11:6 again reminds us, without faith it is impossible to please God. Even our virtues, virtues are just whitewashed sins, aren't they? Without the, the, the Lord, you know, we can have a, a form of godliness void of power. It might look nice on the surface. It might look like we're virtuous. But the only true redeeming power is the blood of the Lamb. Like it's what He's done for us. It's a trust thing. We're not trying to be virtuous in order to be redeemed. We know that. It's a trust thing. It's all about what He's done, right, that empowers us to live this life that we've got. And that extends into our lives being moving forward in faith. Every circumstance, every trial, we're not going to waver in how we understand things and how we, who we believe the Lord to be. And that is, and it's interesting that that verse where it talks about um, the whatever does not proceed from, from faith is sin, and he's talking about the foods, and it gets to that verse where it says, the kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking but it is in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's the heavenly reality of the kingdom, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And he's trying to articulate to those believers that whatever you do is about your relationship with the Lord and about your trust in him. So Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. He works all things together for our good. He'll follow us with his goodness and mercy all the days of our lives. He will never leave us nor forsake us. We can trust him. I heard it said that our faith is to us what Samson's hair was to him. Our faith is our strength. And we, we saw that great picture where Joshua and Caleb believed in God about taking the promised land. They believed the spies came back. They didn't lie. It was true. There were giants in the land. But their unbelief failed, caused them to fail. You know? It wasn't a lie. It was true what, what the spies said. But God is able. If he is for us, who can be against us? Let's go. We got this. 
Jeremiah 17, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by the waters that sends out its roots towards the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes, and its leaves are always green. It does not worry in a year of drought, nor does it cease to produce fruit. All right, stand up. We're going to pray together. We're going to wrap it up. Holy Ghost, I thank you, Lord God, that the people in the house today are being prepared for something new. Thank you, Jesus, because there's people who have taken steps, bold steps, and today you're reminding them, Lord God, that they set out on this journey in faith and they are going to continue in faith, Lord God. We are going to proceed in faith. And we will not let unbelief prevent us from receiving our inheritance. I feel that there's people that change is coming that you don't necessarily know about. But the Lord's preparing your heart. The Lord is reminding us, those of us who are already in a transition, a season of change, the Lord is reminding us that we are to proceed from faith. There's people in the house whose dreams have been forgotten, they've become dormant. And he's reminding you that they will be received by faith. Nehemiah, as he was building the, law, building the wall of Jerusalem, said, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And I see us. We're not coming down from this eternal life that we are walking in, this intimacy with God. We're not going to come down. There's distractions. There's temptations. Some things look good. Some things are virtuous. But we're being called to stay in our lane. Don't get sucked in to comparing yourself to someone else, to what someone else is doing. You've been called. 
You have an assignment from the Lord. Abide in Him and you will bear much fruit. You cannot come down for you are doing a great work for the Lord. You cannot come down. You're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You cannot come down. Father, we want to trust you, Lord God. And we say yes to what you're doing. It's beyond what we could ask, think, or imagine. No eye has seen, no ear heard, no mind conceived what God has in store for those who are called according to his purposes. Father, help us with our unbelief, Lord God. We want to be heavenly minded. 